Let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep knowing that you're only just scratching the surface of where you're capable of taking your business growth? Are you successful but have some invisible hurdles that are slowing you down? Business growth comes from creating and implementing strategies and frameworks, but strategies and frameworks on their own will not take you to the level I know you desire and are capable of. Living in alignment with your unique human design will help you to attract the abundance you are ready for. And I've just created a free guide to help you understand your unique human design blueprint. It's called the Human Design Advantage, and you can get your copy over at samanthariley.global forward slash advantage. You're listening to the Influence by Design podcast. My name is Con Kutsikas, and today I'm taking over the mic, so stay tuned. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for coaches, course creators, and experts who want to grow their influence, income, and impact to take their coaching business to a million dollars and beyond. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. Create the influence, income, and impact you need to build your business so you can create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Connor, and I've got the absolute pleasure of hijacking Samantha's program here today, Influenced by Design. How are you, Sam? I'm so good. Thank you, Con. It's very exciting to be here with you on my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on your own podcast. Well, I know. Lucky I turned up. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sent me the invite. That could have been a little bit awkward, couldn't it? Oh, just a little. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hanging out with you today. Sam, we've done a couple. You've, uh, I've, had the pleasure of being on your podcast and I've had the absolute pleasure of having you on my podcast. So, and both of those went pretty well. And I know that both our audiences got a significant amount of value, particularly from your business expertise. And it's an absolute pleasure to be on your show today. So I got lots of questions here. I know you're going to deliver awesome value to the audience here. So let's get straight into it. Oh, there's the pressure. (laughs) You're really under the gun now. Sam, one of the important aspects of building a business is patience. And we're always told, you know, you've got to be patient, play the long game. What advice would you give to a person starting their business journey later in life who may not have the luxury of another 20, 30, 40 years? Mm. Oh, my goodness. This is so good because there's so many different parts to this that has come straight up for me. The first is, and you've probably heard me speak about it a lot because I do and that's business is a long game and specifically for in the area of relationships I think that there's too many people that churn and burn their relationships to get that quick win Mm. however I think what's really important to know is that for people that are listening to this and the people that we know most of us are in gen x we've been around for for a while We've been working in our expertise for 20, 30 years now. Sometimes some people that I work with even longer, they've already been playing the long game, right? So it's really important to understand that when we're in business, we have an expertise and then there's the business and that's kind of different. 
So I know you're a speaker coach, for example, you help people to speak. And I'm assuming that you help people to speak in, in boardroom situations and from stage and just hanging a guest here, you're nodding. So I'm thinking that I'm on the, get that on the money. So, (laughs) and you've been doing that for a long time, your business that specifically is doing this, not as much, but you've got this long amount or this huge amount of experience that you're pulling on. So you have a, the long game already in your expertise, the long game in your relationships, because I know you've also had a past business, you know, so there's a lot of things that have happened along the way. So I think it's, we really need to note that we already have been playing the long game. We will continue to play the long game because that's in our nature, but sometimes we also need to play the short game. And that is if we have an idea for a new program or a new product or some sort of you know new thing that we want to sell, we don't need to play the long game there and think about it for six months and then trial it and and you know create something that's perfect. We may be able to pull the trigger on that in the next twenty four hours. So I think it's the beauty of understanding, you know, like doing things right now and not waiting because we don't have the luxury. So let's if we come up with an idea, let's just pull the trigger on that in the next. 24 hours, 48 hours, a week maybe, mm. and put that out to the market so we can get the feedback from the market as quickly as possible so we're in it for the long game. Yeah, really good answer and and progress, not perfection. And mm. I'm certainly a procrastinator. I, I acknowledge that. And it's just really important just to do. Sam, the coaching industry is I would hazard to say one of the fastest growing industries right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's an absolute plethora of coaches, Mm -hmm. whether it's mindset, whether it's speaking, whether it's business, an absolute plethora. And you and I have talked about this before, and I want to use the simple version. So I guess to help you in terms of framing your answer, but also clarity for the audience. We talk about unique selling proposition. So what's your unique proposition? What makes you different from the literally hundreds of of other coaches? And I want to use it in real estate terms. Real estate agents, with respect to them, they're a dime a dozen in terms of how many agents there are. They're not all the same quality. Mm -hmm. How does one, if you're in an industry where you feel that, wow, I'm just one of many, how do you come up with that unique selling proposition that clearly separates you from your competitors or indeed the market? Mm, I love this. And I think that very first and foremost, we have to understand that we're all unique people, that there are many other people that do what I do, or, you know, that essentially create, get an outcome that's similar as with you, as with all other coaches. However, we're one of a kind, there's no one like us. So I think it's really important to tap into our, you know, yes, our knowledge and experience and and our expertise, but also what makes us like really unique? What are our passions? What are the things that make us quirky? What are the different ways that we pull things together? And one of the ways that I do this with my clients is using human design and helping people to understand their own unique energetic blueprint. How do they make their decisions? How do they, you know, move through the world? So that's the first piece of it. But the second piece is like I said, getting really clear on our passions. So for example, I've got a long background in, or a 20 year background in owning a dance studio. 
So in that, and the thousands and thousands of children that I taught, there were a lot of frameworks that I used to teach them to dance. I use a lot of them in my business now and I reference back to my dance days. I also reference, and this is what makes me super unique, V8 supercars, because I love car racing. There's exactly the look on your face there. There's not that many dance people that are into V8 supercars, right? So this actually creates something memorable. And, you know, it. I was outside a conference, right? We just left a conference venue one day a couple of years ago and we're standing out in the street waiting for everyone to come down to go out to dinner and a car went past and I remember, I still remember it distinctly. It was a BMW and it was a V8 and it sounded phenomenal and it went past and the person that I was standing with I knew was a car person, like a real car buff and I went, oh, how's the note on that, Tony? That was fabulous and he just went, uh, like, you know, it was just like this little brain fart moment where it's like, did you just say what I thought you said? I went, seriously, how good was that? And do you think that we talk about cars all the time? He got a new car a couple of years ago and it was a very rare and, you know, one of a kind kind of thing. He rang me, Sam, let's meet up for a coffee and I'm going to throw you the keys. I want you to go for a drive. So sometimes we're thinking about it from a business sense and I will talk about the business sense in a minute. Yeah but really lean into who you are because people remember that. I can guarantee, Con, that you will always remember that I'm a dancer that loves cars because it is so unique that you probably won't forget that. The fact that I'm under five foot and I'm little and blonde also just surprises people like, she's a car person? Like, what the hell? (laughs) So that's creating a memory. From the business side, it's really it's really important to get clear on your unique frameworks and your unique methodologies. So none of us was born with the expertise that we have now. So everything is learned, but the trap that people can fall into is, well, everyone else knows that or everyone else does it that way. And that's not true. We can teach something the same as, or we can teach a concept that's similar to someone else teaches it. But if we put it in our own framework, that is put together with our own expertise so it's memorable in a different way that's what makes you stand out so really tap into your unique knowledge and expertise and experience and passion to create a brand that is memorable and that stands out for you being the unique person that you are wow great answer and i've learned two things from you in the last 30 seconds now I didn't realize you were a car buff. Yep. And I've always pictured you being about five, four, five, five. So I'm very sure. Four for an 11. (laughs) Vertically challenged. (laughs) There's a picture on the internet that actually, that very vertically challenged. There was a funny picture that came up in my Facebook memories just the other day. And it was, I was running a workshop in Adelaide, which I know that's where you were from, and it was the week before COVID hit. So it was the very last workshop yeah. I've delivered yeah. live and it popped up in memories. And it made me laugh because a mutual friend of ours, Gary Edwards, was standing behind me yeah. and he was towering <laughs> over me. <laughs> and some, some, someone else in our network said, yeah, Gary, if you're going to hide behind someone, don't pick Sam. <laughs> Uh, yes, I am uh, very short. You me. Okay, we'll move on. We will take the focus away. Sam, it's a common meme on social media. It's it done the rounds. But I want to ask you, what is the biggest single piece of business advice that today Sam would give a 20-year-old Sam? Oh, 
So what is really interesting about this question, I really, you could tell by the look of my face, I really had mm. to think about that for a minute there. I saw that. Because the 20-year-old me and the 40-year-old me were very different. The 20-year-old me actually did take everyone's, would ask a lot of questions and take a lot of advice on board and would work with it really quickly. As I got older, what I would do is take that advice and run with it more so. So I would get caught up in other people's advice and think I had to follow it to the T, where when I was younger, I would listen to it and go, all right, what I make of that advice is A, B, C, and I'm gonna put it together in my own way and I'm just gonna run with it. So my 20 year old me actually did a better job than the 40 year old me, if that makes sense. So what I'm gonna do is say that I would tell myself this piece of advice, but the 20 year old me already understood it. I'm gonna say to the 40 year old me, because this did trip me up at around sort of my late thirties, is when people give me advice, listen to it, take it on board, but still do with it with what feels good for you. Because what I did was allowed there was this point in my career there for a little bit where I felt a little bit slowed down because I was trying to, I guess, do what I thought other people think that I should do, where one of my strengths is actually seeing things in very different ways to what other people see things. So my, I guess in a very long-winded way, if I did go back and reach, reframe what I just said, I would say to my 20-year-old me, keep doing what you're doing now because you're doing it really well. Awesome. That's definitely not an answer. That was a really long way around to come back to where I started. <laughs> you did go around the bush a little bit there, but the answer is really, really interesting because believe it or not, I've never, ever heard somebody say that. Everyone's always given a completely different perspective about, you know, don't do this or don't do that, or you should have invested there or you should have done that. Nobody's actually given the answer that you've given. So that's really interesting. There's a lot of discussion about our education system mm -hmm. and there has been some sometimes, particularly with reference to kids or students not learning strategies, tools, things that are more practical in terms of real life, mm -hmm. whether it's like better fiscal information, whether it's business, whatever the case may be. I know you're an avid reader, you're an avid learner, as am I, even though my bookshelf doesn't look quite as uh, significant <laughs> as yours back there. What one book would you make an absolute staple in high school? Okay, that's not where I thought that question was going at all. Ah, good. <laughs> so that is really interesting because, man, I had so much pop into my head now that I want to blurt out and I can't. So that's not the question. However, what book? The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and I don't even know if I'm saying his name correctly because I'm assuming that's a Mexican name and I'm not Mexican, but The Four Agreements. I read this book only probably about 10 years ago, and I wish that I had have read it in school, and I think that all school children should read it now purely from the fact that they're growing up in this online world and the amount of awful bullying that happens over oh. social media that you and I didn't have to deal with. Like I just my heart goes out to parents these days that are bringing children up in this era and, and these kids that don't know 
you know, what life was like before this crazy amount of online bullying. But the four agreements is talking about the four agreements that we should move through life with. One of the agreements, I'm not going to give it away because there's only four agreements in the whole book, but one of them is to not take things personally. And I think that this is just a fabulous way every day when things go wrong, when someone doesn't answer your email, when someone, you know, doesn't get back to you or return a call or a text, you just go, actually, it's not personal. We don't know what's going on in their life. I think the four agreements are just such a, if we all knew them, life, the world would be so much different. There wouldn't be so much anxiety. There wouldn't be so much hate. There would be so much more love. So I would do that. For anyone that was going into business, I think The E-Myth by Michael Gerber Mm. is a definite must read. But for every single student, The Four Agreements. I'm going to be really, really honest. I've not actually heard of that book. Get a copy. (laughs) But I've just written it down. Yeah. I've just written it down. I have an Audible credit that I need to use. So that'll that'll be on the shopping list immediately it's a nice quick one it's very quick because really you only need to know the four agreements and how they how you can apply them to your life so it's a super quick read i think i read the book in like an hour or 90 minutes or something but my kind of book sam i have gone back to it over and over and over and over again my kind of book my next question is a little bit long however a phrase and i'm going to have to read it off my piece of paper here okay (laughs) A phrase which has either been born from COVID or certainly which has become louder since COVID is the great resignation. Mm. As a business thought leader, what does that phrase mean to you? And what are the implications to the wider business community, i.e. opportunities, Mm. challenges that it creates? Mm. I think that the great resignation is all around people realizing how important they are to stop giving themselves to an organization that doesn't have a great culture or they're not respected or they're not acknowledged or they're unable to do the work that they're passionate about or advance in their career or whatever it is. And that's what the great resignation is all about. And I think that this provides a huge opportunity for small businesses and i say small businesses because we can move faster mm-hmm. and not that that a lot of people need to move because you know the good small businesses already have great culture but it's a time to really reflect and take a look at our culture take a look at our leadership and really make sure that we're building organizations that are built on people because that's what this is all about. It's around people, people power, and how can we create a culture within our organization that people want to be a part of, that people feel fulfilled in. And this, like I said, it provides such a great opportunity. It also will provide an opportunity to business because I think that there are a lot of people that will leave corporate jobs or careers that they no longer enjoy and start their own businesses. In turn, what I foresee happening, and I'm already starting to see it happen, mm. is people that are in business that are actually going, I want to feel more fulfilled and work up in a career and don't want to do this thing on my own anymore, actually moving back into corporate. And when we're having all of this movement, I've actually seen quite a few people move back into jobs, but jobs that are speaking directly to what they feel they're lacking. So maybe they're in a business where 
they're solopreneurs and they actually want to have a large team again or you know they want to step into that leadership role or they want to create an impact in a really really big way that they don't feel like they can in their business so it all speaks to fulfillment and people but yeah lots of opportunity there for culture and leadership and I think that what it will do in the bigger corporates, and they do move a lot slower, they're kind of like big cruise ships. It takes them a long time to, yeah, to slow yeah. down and turn around, you know, like Titanic. we're able to be like speedboats, right? Mm. I think they will need to start really listening and getting the idea that they are dealing with people. They're not just dealing with numbers and that things do need to change. It is time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. This is a three-part question. Oh, stretching my brain today. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a doozy. But, yeah, I tell you what, you're going to earn your money. <laughs> Sam, you work with coaches, experts, and thought leaders to sell and deliver their expertise online. Firstly, what is the most common mistake you see them make? What is the most common misconception falsehood they commonly believe all right first one the mistake. let's go back so what is the most common mistake you see them make first of all yeah i think that one of the biggest mistakes that i see people make in this i was going to say in this industry in this niche in this in this coaching world mm-hmm. is thinking that they need more qualifications mm-hmm because that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you do need to further your study or be further qualified. But the more qualifications you have doesn't necessarily mean, and it definitely doesn't mean it in its simplest form, that you're going to have more clients. And a lot of people that come into the industry struggling for clients, instead of putting their money into marketing, they put it into getting another qualification and it just, it doesn't work. Like I said, it's in some cases, there does need to be a qualification there. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but if people need clients, the qualification's not the first place to go. It's marketing. And the misconception that I see people making, which this leads into is that just because you're really good at something, doesn't mean that people are going to come and give you money that we need to spend a lot of time on marketing and a lot of experts feel or this is certainly something they tell me they feel that they don't want to do the marketing I just want to do my thing I just want to run my retreat I just want to do my workshop and don't want to do any marketing and it's the quickest way to get to not be in the industry anymore you do need to market yourself. And in actual fact, I would say you need to be spending 80% of your time doing sales and marketing to get to a point where you're able to serve the people that you can, bring the money in the door so that you can start to move that sales and marketing piece off your plate. But if you don't do it at the beginning, you're never going to get to that position. I feel like you're talking to me here. This has been free coaching advice from Sam to Con. <laughs> what was funny is for anyone that's listening to this, the look on your face when I was saying that, you could I could see the cogs turning behind, behind there. I was like, wow, he's really processing this one. 
I interviewed a guest one day on my podcast and I couldn't help myself. I asked her a question and it was really all I wanted to know. Like, I, I wanted to and know. That's the best part of being a podcast host, right? And I said to her, I'm just asking for a friend. I'm just asking <laughs> for a friend. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I kind of already know what the answer is going to be or where it's going to head towards, but I'm going to ask this anyway. So what is the single most important thing slash aspect at the core is of what you teach? Marketing. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Okay. It is. And it, well, it is because what I do is I help people to build their influence. But if we have no one to talk to, if we have no audience, then we have no influence, right? So I, you know, I do help people to unpack their IP. And this is something that I love doing because most experts know so much stuff that they really find it difficult to explain what they know in a simple way. Mm. So I love helping them extract that and putting it into frameworks and creating processes and, you know, creating trainings and, and really getting their message out because that's really important. But at the core of what it all is, is marketing. Because like I said, we have to build that audience. Otherwise, there's no one to sell to. Then once people have got a business that's got some really solid foundations, then I help them to scale and move out of that. You know, they're still doing it. They're still the voice of their business, the face of their business, but moving out of those day-to-day marketing aspects that now they don't have the time for, you know, when you've got a seven figure business, you're creating a lot of assets and you're doing a lot of coaching and facilitating. You don't have as much time to, you know, be sitting and sitting on sales calls, for example, but right at the beginning, that's what needs to happen. And I'm also a big believer in that you need to do all those things in your business before you hand them off. Because if you don't understand what they are, it's very difficult to delegate them mm, and it's very yeah. easy for other people to take advantage of you. Mm. And I certainly had that. I've lost a lot of money in different marketing. You know, the typical Facebook marketer that says, you know, I can get you this, you know, 12,900% return, you know, ROI, and but doesn't actually look at the core message or... And you get donuts. Yeah, right. So we need to know what it is that we're doing so that we can delegate or outsource it but yeah Mm. definitely marketing is something that people need to spend more time thinking about i'll pass that free information over to my friend to your friend (laughs) (laughs) god i love doing this (laughs) sam we know that business is definitely a lot of doing it's practical Mm -hmm. you know we've got to understand marketing we've got to understand business but a big part of that is is our emotional well-being, how we deal with things emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I want to put this to you. We know it can be emotionally draining and being a solopreneur can, can be worse because you've got nobody. You don't have a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know I speak from my own experience here. The majority of my family and friends are not in business as such and don't understand all they see is the surface. They don't see, understand. Now, the pressure either external or from within to get results is intense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you listen to online experts like Gary V and mm-hmm. Grant Cardone and their message is this constant need to, to hustle, like hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm-hmm. And I've actually found myself feeling 
horribly guilty and almost to the point of beating myself up when I want to stop for, you know, half a day, whether it's to watch. I'm a huge American football fan Mm -hmm. and, you know, the Super Bowl's just been and gone and it's just something that I love, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just find myself, you know, beating myself up and, you know, whether it's a sporting event, whether it's to watch a television program, not maths, if anybody's watching, not maths. Ah, stop it. (laughs) Right. You know, or spend time with family and friends. Mm -hmm. What's your advice? What's your perspective around that? Mm. It is, you did mention that it's a little bit different for a solopreneur, but I just want to say that I think that it's different, but same, same. It's lonely at the top, no matter whether you've got a team or you're a solopreneur. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And I did want to cover that off because I do have a team and there's very different challenges because you're not going to unpack, unload on your team, you Mm -hmm. know, and you still need to stand up and be the leader and be confident for them to do what they need to do you know we're the ones that's driving the ship so but it is extremely lonely as a solopreneur and it's really really important to have an inner circle and i've talked about this so much and having an inner circle is probably the most important thing that you can have in a business because you do need to unpack i hate the hustle culture it's you know, I've seen, I can't remember when it was, a picture of Grant Cardone sitting in a hospital on a hospital bed with his laptop. And I'm just like, dude, like life is too short and it really does affect our health. You know, Mm. I don't want to be that person that leaves this earth prematurely because of stress, because otherwise what is all this for, right? What's it about? Exactly. Mm. But I also know that feeling of having guilt. So what i want to say here is i'm also human i'm a big believer in taking time out i do take time out i have just this year decided that i want to try and take two weeks off out of every four of client facing activities Mm. because the last two years has been really difficult you know i remember being on the phone with a friend this is just for anyone that's in australia will remember this the end of 2019 with the bushfires in australia And I had friends that were directly impacted in the Blue Mountains here in Sydney. And, you know, I had friends all around Australia that were impacted and I was really finding it hard to focus. And I remember ringing her and saying, it feels so wrong to be jumping back into January and full steam ahead and the bushfires. Gosh, and then what happens? COVID hit like two seconds later. We haven't even blinked and then that's on our doorstep. Then for anyone that's in Australia, I've got friends directly impacted by these crazy floods that are happening in Australia right now. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, we've got the Russia-Ukraine situation and it is really difficult to keep pushing through. And if we keep hustling, and I say we, but I'm not a hustler, but as a, you know, as a general, if we keep hustling, it's, we're going to be, as a general population, we're going to be really burnt out and really, I almost think it's like a PTSD kind of thing happening with a lot of people. Like there's a lot of anxiety and burnout and all of these things. On the flip side, I'm also not a big believer in let's just sit under a tree and meditate and manifest, you know, for the next or for the next week, or, you know, if I want this really big thing to happen in my business, my next goal, I'm just going to manifest and it's just going to land in my lap. I'm not there either. So I'm... you got to do. I guess, 
more on the hustle side if that makes sense if it was on a scale from one to ten like i'm more on the on the hustle side than on the let's sit and and just expect it to fall into our lap but there are times for hustle let me give you an example if anyone that's listening has ever done an in-person workshop or conference they'll know that there is no way you can do that without some hustle leading up to that there is absolutely no way right however what can you do after that take a staycation take a week off go on holiday like you know whatever it is block your calendar out for a month so understand that there is times that you have to hustle because that's just the nature of what we do and there are sometimes you know busier times when i was in the dance industry january and february in our stores was all hands on deck because that is when the kids going back to dance and no one could take holidays it was hustle we did huge amount of hours but then in winter was quiet within the stores and it is in my coaching business too and generally i don't work a lot over winter so it's really important to understand that whilst there are some hustle times it has it has to be balanced out with taking time off and if you feel guilty about doing that then you're just wasting more energy instead of replenishing and filling up your cup it's okay and not only okay but necessary to shut your laptop shut your office door and walk away and go and watch american football i will go watch maths <laughs> it's oh, actually sorry. my guilty little Oops. pleasure <laughs> i have a little instagram group with Ooh. some people where we where Ooh. we actually message each other i don't care it's my guilty little pleasure as is the bachelor and the bachelorette okay. because <laughs> i can't be serious all the time fair enough we need some time to just you know to go into you know fantasy land and have a you know, and have a chill out and we have to do it. So there was a commencement speech that Shonda Rhimes spoke at and I can't, I think it was Dartmouth University off the top of my head where she spoke about when you're in something, be present with whatever that is. So if you're spending time with your kids, then you're actually letting people down in your business. But ignore that and just be present with your kids. And other times you have to be in your business because things are happening and you don't have the time to have you know parent guilt and worry about the kids because they'll be okay but you just have to focus on this thing and i think that that's so important to remember is that wherever we are and whatever we're doing just be present with that and let's let go of the guilt and i totally understand what you're saying because i'm human and i still do feel it sometimes but the majority of the time it's just like actually if i keep going i'm going to be no good to anyone i'm shutting the laptop and i'm just going to turn on Netflix for a bit because I need to, you know, decompress. So, yeah. And that's certainly been one thing that has helped me in terms of rationalising is that I know that, I mean, I've got two beautiful kids and, and two beautiful grandchildren and I want to and demand being of myself, being present when I'm with them and understand that you can't pour from an empty cup. Absolutely. When the old man's cooked, he needs to go away, whether it's go for a walk, go to the gym, whatever. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I must admit the last, it's probably been three months where I've really gone, you know what, enough. Mm. Enough with this constant beating, you know, oneself up over, you know, guilt of, you know, sitting down for a coffee for half an hour or catch or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sam, we're nearly out of time. I have one more question for you. 
and I figure this will be quite a quick response. It'll, it'll roll off. I spoke to a lady recently and the topic of morning routines came up mm-hmm. and the importance of them. I love, she said she didn't call it a routine. She called it a ritual, mm-hmm. which for me just has such a, a stronger connotation than just a routine. It's a ritual, like it's just not negotiable. What's Samantha Riley's morning ritual? This probably isn't going to be what you expect because a couple of years ago I was all on the morning routine train. (laughs) I used to follow the miracle morning. Yep. You know, did my journaling and did my manifestations and my I am statements and did all this stuff in the morning. And I would get to open my laptop in the morning and be like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Haven't even started the day. I'm now off that train (laughs) and I'm like, do whatever the heck you want to do. I am someone that is much more productive in the morning. I do what most people say you shouldn't do. And I get up and I work in the morning because I can knock out my work. And sometimes by 11, 12 o'clock, I can be done for the day because I've done what I've needed to do. So I don't have a routine except I get up and work. I'm a big believer in do what works for you because I think that there's too many people shouting you have to do it this way or it's not going to work and what i was starting to feel was this immense pressure for me to be successful that i had to do things a certain way and when i sat down and really thought about it and thought when i was younger i never thought this way i never used to listen to people this much i never used to take so much weight on other people's words and started to come back to all right, so I'm not meant to look at Facebook first thing in the morning, whatever, that's what I want to do. I feel much better for it. So I'm a big believer in do what works for you. And if morning routines work for you, then go for it. And if they don't, don't. What I do want to say, and it sort of ties back to that last question that you asked, whatever it is that you choose to do, do that. Put it in your calendar and make sure that you take time for yourself. So Twice a week, I have a personal training session. It's in my calendar. No client can book over the top of it. No podcast interview can book over the top of it because that's my time and it's in there. Absolutely, like without a doubt, will not move. Date night, never moves. It's always there. So what's really important, you know, spending time with your grandkids, spending time with your kids. I used to put a time in my calendar of picking my son up from school on Friday afternoon and going to the cafe near his school, driving straight there, and he had a chocolate milkshake every Friday because that was important. It meant that he could decompress to me from his week. I could just sit there and be present with him. So whatever's important to you, put it in your calendar and make it a non-negotiable. Yeah, I love that advice. And it's something that I highly recommend as well, put it in your calendar because if it's not in the calendar, it's not going to happen most likely because something will book over the top. Yeah, and then someone else is in control. That's what I want to say. Someone else is in control then. Yeah, good point. Yeah, thanks for that one. Sam, I've had a lot of fun this morning. Thank you so, so much for giving me the opportunity. My name's Con Kutsikas, and you've been listening to the Influence by Design podcast. I've hijacked Samantha Riley. My name's Con. Sam, thanks very much. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other coaches and experts who are growing and scaling their business too, come and join the Coaches Course Creators and Speakers group on Facebook. The links are all waiting for you over at samanthariley.global. Thank you.